welcome to Harvest Birth Stories, where we support mamas pre, post, and during birth. My name is Sophie Grace, and I will be your host for this podcast. We want to share empowering birth stories across the United States and beyond, and encourage mothers all around the world to feel proud and empowered by any story that they may have experienced. Let's get into the podcast. Thank you for listening. Today, I am starting a, I guess you could call it somewhat series, called like Ask the Doula. Um, I posted on my Instagram asking for some questions that people may have um, so I could answer. And I'm going to kind of go through some of the highlighted ones and Some of the answers might kind of be within other questions and answers, so I'll try to answer as much as I can without this being too long, but that's my plan. Um, So I am Sophie, the host of this podcast. I am a donor-trained doula, and I am currently in certified lactation counselor training, and I'm so, so close to being done. Um, so that's kind of, I guess, a little bit of my background and my qualifications. I am still what I would like to call a baby doula. I haven't attended hundreds of births. I've only attended a few, um, plus my own, but I also am kind of just a birth junkie. So although I haven't been to hundreds and hundreds of births, I am pretty much always either reading something on birth, listening to something on birth, or watching something about birth. For whatever odd reason, I don't know why, but it's just, it's an obsession. So the education never ends. Um, I love reading research and looking up uh, studies and just really being in education and um resource-based type of a person. Like, I don't want to just spew my opinions on everything and hope that people believe me. But with that being said, like, some of these things might be kind of opinion-based if I'm not saying it's based off research. Um, So if that's not, you know, in a line with your journey or you don't have that same opinion, that's totally fine. You don't have to do anything that I say. (laughs) You can do whatever you want. Um... So I guess if you hear me kind of pausing, I'll probably be reading through these questions. Um, But the first one that uh, I just wanted to go through kind of like, I guess, the sweet and fun ones first. And that would be, what is your why for what you do? And what is your favorite part about being a doula? Um, My why was really, it came after I had my son. And it was mostly because I felt like if I would have had somebody there supporting me um, when I had him, that things would have just probably went a lot better. (laughs) So that was kind of my why. Um, I feel like there's definitely a just gap between women's health and the healthcare system. 
that they get treated more as a diagnosis when they're pregnant rather than it just being a normal part of life. Uh, so I love to just be able to educate and advocate for women who either have questions or are too scared to do it themselves. So I guess that would kind of be also my favorite part about being a doula is just being able to be that person that's a constant in somebody's journey and somebody they can always rely on and turn to because, you know, as women go through the birth and pregnancy process, they usually end up with multiple care providers and it's really nice to just have like that one person. So establishing that relationship is probably my favorite part about being a doula. Um, one question or topic that I really wanted to cover in this podcast because I get asked it all the time and it honestly makes me giggle a little bit because there's like such a difference (laughs) um is what is the difference between a midwife and a doula and the reason it makes me giggle is because a midwife is like a medically trained person there are different types of midwives there's um like certified professional midwives and certified nurse midwives but essentially like they either had to go to like nursing school crossed over to like an NP midwifery program or they had to go to midwifery school, which is many, many of years. Um, So essentially they are your doctor, but not an MD, if that makes sense. Um, And a doula is um, more of like a support person. I don't do anything medicalized. Like I don't have medications. I don't have um, oxygen. I do have a heart rate monitor, but I do not use that because I'm not a medical professional. That was just for my own funsies when I was pregnant to like watch baby's heart rate. But like um, basically what a doula is, is that like continuity of one person that can be there to answer questions, help you create your birth plan, and then help you go through the birthing process more smoothly and help with coping techniques because as we all know it can it can go way 180 from what you plan on um and there are some questions in here that say like what is the benefit of having a doula when you are having a c-section or an epidural and i'll just say like straight out like the biggest area that a doula is beneficial is when you are trying for an unmedicated birth. But with that being said, they are so important for the other births too. But I would say that when it comes to like an unmedicated birth, it's more of a hands-on thing for me. Like I'm going to be right up in there, like doing counter pressure, holding you, like helping you up. Like physically, it's a lot more than it would be for the other types of births. But like I said, it is very beneficial for all, and I'll kind of get into that more. Um, Let's see. One question was things that I wish I could tell the nursing staff. Um, First and foremost, I 
love the nurses. <laughs> um, but I also want to say that I've never had a bad experience with a labor and delivery or OB nurse. Like, and I'm very lucky and blessed to say that. Like in my own births and in ones that I've attended before, I've never had a bad experience. Um, so I guess if I were to have a bad experience or if I were to come across one that wasn't, you know, aligning with my client's values or my values or was just kind of being rude or undermining them, I would definitely probably pull them aside and say like, hey, this is not what the patient wants. Like this is her birth preferences. Please respect those. And if you can't leave, you can always fire your nurses. Like they are not like they don't have to stay there. If you're really bothered by somebody, just know that they can always, you can always have them leave. Um, but with that being said, like I've always had amazing experiences with nurses and for my own birth, like, and I would recommend this to anybody else that's like out there having a baby, um, write up your preferences and your birth preferences. And people say like, well, you shouldn't do that because like you never know how it's going to go and you should just have a really open mind. Yes. Yes, you should have an open mind and you should have a plan B, C, D, but you should also have it wrote out what your preferred birth would be so you and your care team can work toward that all together because there are some things that you're not going to think of that they know. And if you don't have that all wrote out, how are they supposed to know what your desired birth is? So like if you desire to have an unmedicated birth, you don't want them offering you an epidural every 15 minutes. You know what I mean? You want them in unmedicated birth zone. You want them helping you with positional changes and water and all those types of things. So definitely like this isn't really something I guess I would tell the nursing staff, but this is something I would tell a client is like to bring this forward, have you or your partner or your doula give this to the nursing staff have them go over it with you and just kind of show them your goals towards this birth because it's important to have those. Um, let's see. Would I take on a patient that lives further away? Um, probably, I think that two hours is going to be my max. But like I said, I don't do this full time, like not even relatively full time. My whole goal of this page is to be an educational source for people. I am taking on a few births here and there throughout the years, but I'm not going to be doing this full time. And that's just because like right now I am a full time wedding photographer and I'm trying to get out of doing that full time because I'm always on somebody else's schedule and I want to spend time with my family more. And if I go into doing births all the time, like it's just kind of the same thing. Like I'm always on somebody's schedule. So I will take births as they work for me, but I'm not taking them um, full time. And I don't think I would go over two hours away. Um, um, somebody asked about doula prices and insurance. That's going to vary doula to doula. Um, insurance is really, really hard to work with. So most likely they're not going to be covered by insurance. Some are, but most are not. Um, midwife services, they're likely going to be covered by insurance if it's in a hospital, but it's going to depend on your insurance if you're doing a independent or self 
um, midwife. So that was another question. I'm going to go through some of these other ones I can answer in a shorter amount of time before I answer um, a couple of the bigger ones. So a couple of people asked, um, what would support look like or if it was beneficial for a cesarean delivery? Yes. Um, so I'll talk in two scenarios, planned, scenario, planned cesarean versus emergency cesarean. So planned cesarean, um, it is beneficial, but if financially it's not something you can afford, I think there are other ways you can plan and prepare for it. Or I guess I shouldn't say financially if it's something you can afford. Financially, if it's not something you want to um, make a priority, if there's other things you need financially, then maybe, maybe do a different route. But yes, there is definitely um, benefits to having a doula for a planned cesarean. I actually did one this past spring and throughout the pregnancy, we had planned on doing a VBAC and it did not work out the way that we wanted to, but I was able to help this client throughout their entire pregnancy um, you know, best prepare their body for what's about to happen, whether it be vaginal or cesarean. So I think when it comes to, um, that it's very beneficial to have a doula that can, you know, help you make your birth plan, like make your cesarean birth plan. And maybe they have ideas that you wouldn't have thought of, like having a clear curtain or like doing skin to skin right away, or, doing a more like maternal assisted cesarean. Like those are things that you wouldn't really think of. Um, and then after you have a cesarean, you are pretty much bedridden for like that whole next day. Like just like medications are wearing off and um, you're sore, everything hurts. So maybe if you're having a planned cesarean, you have them come after if, if you've already paid for their doula services and you have them be more of like a postpartum doula. Um, that's kind of how I treated this birth because there wasn't a whole lot I could do during the actual birth, but I just, you know, did things like helped with breastfeeding, helped run errands, helped do this, helped do that. I'm also a photographer, like I've mentioned. So when those instances arrive, like I kind of, gear over into editorial mode and I just start um, capturing photos of those first moments because if I'm not able to like support during a birth like I at least want to be able to help um, capture those memories so that's kind of I guess the gist of what a doula would do for a cesarean um, if it for a planned cesarean if it happens to be an emergency like say you've been doing um, you've been going through labor, your doula has been there helping you through labor and it turns into a cesarean, that doula is going to be the person that you have been with your entire pregnancy. And they're going to be a person of comfort. That's like, you're okay. Like, this is what's going to happen. They're going to do this. Like, I'm going to help dad. I'm going to help grandparents. Like, this is what I, I'm going to be here for you. Like they are that, that constant person that has been there the whole time. And I think that's 
really important in those scary moments because sometimes when <laughs> things like that happen, you just want to look up at a friendly face and say, make sure I don't die. Um, so that's, I think, what I would say for um, cesareans and doula-ing. Yes, it's not as physical. It's not as much of the, you know, pain support and whatnot, but I think emotionally it can be a benefit for a lot of that. Um, okay. So one of the questions was, how do you support a mom through the birth? She chooses, doesn't choose. So I already covered cesarean. Um, I'll cover unmedicated last because I feel like that's something I can go into more in depth. Um, for, well, I'll just say this right away. I feel like most people, most, go into their birth thinking, I want to try unmedicated, but I'm not opposed to medication. That's like 90% of people. So in the back of my head, I'm always thinking they are likely going to get an epidural. And I'll, I'll talk about that later. So Oh, I hear rain. Um, so how to support somebody through a medicated birth? Well, with any birth, I would be there. A doula would be there um, throughout the pregnancy, like helping make birth preferences, helping educate, going through labor positions, going through pre-birth stretches and pelvic floor things and helping refer to um, a breastfeeding person or a lactation person and a pelvic floor therapist, like those are all very, very important things that um, you don't really think about until somebody offers it to you. You know what I mean? Um, so, and this goes for medicated or unmedicated, like you want to prepare your body the best you can. And I think that a doula really helps with that and helps um, initiate that good birth outcome. When it comes to actual birth, you're likely not going to get your epidural when you're one centimeter. So the doula is going to be there from zero to whatever it may be, six, seven, eight centimeters, helping you cope with the pain. Um, and then like, if you decide, yep, you're done, you want an epidural, the doula is probably going to help you with positions that you may not have thought you could do when you're medicated um, and help flip you around, help um, just keep things moving because a lot of things that can happen when you have an epidural is things can dog down. They can slow down because you're just sitting there. So there are positional changes that we can help with and um, do while medicated to help have a successful, um, healthy birth. With that being said, I, like I said, I'm also a almost lactation counselor. So medicated or not, cesarean vaginal, if you would like help with breastfeeding, like I am also going to be a person that's right there to help you right away. And I, if anybody is listening to this and they are having their first baby, yes, I recommend taking a birth course 100%. Education is key. Knowledge is key. But I 100 million percent recommend taking some sort of off-hospital 
lactation course or getting in touch with a lactation consultant prior to having birth to set up expectations and set up yourself for success. Why? Because birth lasts one or two days, okay? It's a short thing. It's very important. It's, you know, an epitome of life, but it's one to two days. So I feel like a lot of people have this preparation for this birth and it's one day. Well, you know what's not one day? Breastfeeding. (laughs) Breastfeeding is many, many, many days, weeks, months, years. So if you don't know what the heck you're signing yourself up for, those first few weeks breastfeeding are so hard. So, and like, there's a lot of people, like the first, what, two to six days after you have baby are the most crucial, I would say between two weeks, the most crucial point for mom and baby to quit breastfeeding because things hurt things go wrong. Baby doesn't know how to eat. You don't know how to breastfeed. Like it's all new for everybody. And if problems arise, a lot of times people say like, well, I didn't make enough. Well, he didn't latch. Well, he didn't do this. If you have that knowledge and support and stubborn energy, it can make a huge difference in your breastfeeding journey. Like I always say that like the first month is the hardest. And then after that, it's like, you just kind of get it. So that would be, I guess, how I would support somebody medicated. Um, there's a lot of questions on how to prepare for uh, unmedicated birth and I guess how I would support that. So going back into how I said, like, if you say you might get an epidural, like my brain is instantly thinking, well, you probably will. And why I say that is because if you don't, want to have medication you have to put it in your mind that it's not even an option and that is because your mind is your biggest inhibitor when you are having an unmedicated birth if you give your mind the choice to have medication and when that hard time comes you will take it because it's so intense that if your brain has options, it's going to take the less painful option. So if you are desiring an unmedicated birth, like you really, really want that, put in your brain that medication is not even an option. Like, yes, if there's an emergency that happens or like really, really needs to happen, that can be in the very, very bottom of your bag of tools, okay? Like I am 100% for medication if that's what you want. But if you do not want it, I want your brain to be in the, it's not even an option mode. And so that's step one of preparing for an unmedicated birth. Step two, um, step two would be to prepare your body the best way that you can. Do stretches, do pelvic floor therapy, do um, pos- like movements that help baby in position the correct way. Do all of these things. Sitting, leaning back on your butt for 40 weeks is not going to put you in the optimal position for this huge event that you are preparing to do. Like you need to be um, mentally and physically ready for this big event. So that would be... Um, Number two, number three, 
for preparing for an unmedicated birth is hire some sort of support person or have your partner take a class or learn from a doula on how to support you. And that's because you are going to really want other coping mechanisms besides medication to get yourself through this birth, whether it be like a TENS machine, counter pressure, water, um, combs, sterile water injections. Like there's even, um, you could try gas. Like you are going to want your partner on the same page as you and like ready to go instead of like looking up YouTube videos when the time comes. Um, it's like, it's such a mental game when it comes to doing an unmedicated birth. So I think being able to get your mind in that mindset of like, you were made to do this, you can do this. Your body is strong. You are strong. Talk to yourself, tell yourself how strong and how amazing and how great you are and have your partner on board with this too. Like it is a full team effort to have a baby. So everybody needs to be on the same page. Your nurses, your partner, your support person slash doula, everybody needs to be on the same page when it comes to this. Um, Education is key. Like read research, watch birth videos, listen to podcasts, do everything that you can. So when those choices arise, like you have the knowledgeable decision that you can confidently make. Um, Know what the difference is between epidurals and um, like IV pain medications and um, intrathecals, like all those things, you want to know what they are beforehand. So when you're in pain and you might need something down the road or even just like a simple thing is getting your water broken, like you want to know the risks and the benefits of doing all these things so you can make an informed decision when it's offered. So step one, mindset. Have it in your mind that you are doing this unmedicated. You are strong. You are powerful. You can do this. Um, I don't remember what step two and three are. (laughs) Step two and three, make sure your partner's on board, educate yourself, and get your body ready. Those are my other steps, right? Yeah. Also, I find that... um, chiropractor is a huge, huge thing that you can try to do too. So along with all these other things that I spoke about, like chiropractor is really, really helpful when it comes to unmedicated births. They help uh, specifically like a Webster method trained chiropractor because they help get the position in place um, for the baby. So I think for now, that's most of my questions that people had. Um, I think there might've been one more. Can you be medicated at a home birth? Likely not. Um, most home birth midwives do not have like, well, they're not anesthesiologists. So like epidurals are absolutely not. Um, I would have to check on other sort of like IV medications. That's something that you'd have to ask your care provider, but unless they're also an anesthesiologist, and can make a sterile field, epidurals are not something you can get at home. Um, Which is also probably why home births, like most of the time, 
and in a successful unmedicated birth because it's not an option. The brain is already turned into that position of it's not an option. Um, so with that being said, I think I'm going to leave off here. Um, I don't want this podcast to be super long. I will probably try to do these every once in a while because I think they're kind of fun to just ask people questions. Um, if you have any more questions after listening to this podcast, please shoot me a message on Instagram at Harvest Birth or at my email, which is listed on my Instagram page. Again, my name is Sophie with Harvest Birth slash Harvest Doula. I look forward to chatting with you all again.